Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. This morning we'll be concluding a six-part series that we've had entitled, Doing Life God's Way. Doing Life God's Way. And what we've, what we've seen here from our pastor Larry Howard and Pastor Phil Howard, and in case I've not met you before, I'm Matthew Nicosia, the director of our children's ministry. What we've seen over the last six weeks is, is that God wants every aspect of our life. And at first we saw that God wants us, our bodies. And collectively, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, but a body is the temple of God. And so how do we use the temples, the, the bodies that God has given to us? And secondly, we learned that, that God wants us, to ha- he wants us to give Him our time so we do life God's way with our time. How do we manage the time that God has given to all of us? And thirdly, we saw that God wants our talents, doing life God's way with the talents, the abilities, and the spiritual gifts that God has put into our hands, each and every single one of us who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we saw that God has put treasures or possessions into our hands, and it's, it's up to us on how we will use them, whether we will submit to God or whether we will be owned and mastered by our money, but God wants every aspect of our lives, and today, we'll be concluding this series, and, and I like that we're going to be concluding it with the final T, which is testimony, testimony. Doing life God's way with your testimony, testifying to what God has done in your life. And I think that it's appropriate to conclude it with testimony because really your testimony is the final destination of your life. What you do with the temple of your body, what you do with with your time and with your talents and your treasures, while they all may benefit you personally, the final goal and the final destination for every single one of us about our lives is so that it would testify to the power of God that He's transformed us for a watching world. And so this morning we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 and the title of today's message is The Eye-Opening Truth About Your Life. The Eye-Opening Truth That Others Would See About your life. Before we get into our text, though, I'd like for us just to get a handle on the context of this passage. How do these verses fit in with the greater context of what's happening here in Matthew chapter 5? What we see that Jesus was having a, a broad ministry throughout the region of Galilee, northern Israel, and we see in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 that Jesus from that time began to preach saying, repent For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your allegiance, follow me, for the kingdom is here in your midst. It's at hand. And we get it a little bit further and in more detail of what Jesus was doing in his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25, which say, And he, meaning Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And you know what? It would be great if he just stopped right there. Jesus was going around proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's not what he did. 
he accompanied his message with something else. It says that he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. What Jesus is doing is that he's going out through the region and he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And in doing so, he's accompanying his message with good works. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. And because of that, because of message and deed, he had a huge following of people that were coming after him. He was calling people saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come follow me. I am the king in your midst. Come follow me. And what we have here in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 is a discourse, perhaps the most famous sermon that Jesus preached called the Sermon of the Mount. And it's the message, it's the sermon to those that either in their hearts or maybe just physically were following Jesus. They were following him and he was going to tell them, this is what it looks like to be in the kingdom. This is what kingdom people look like. This is how they live in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. So this sermon is really a treatise on kingdom life. What does it look like to follow King Jesus We come to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Follow along as I read aloud, please. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is telling his followers, those that are coming after him, those who are going to live according to the people, He's telling them right off the bat, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What Jesus is saying there and using a helping verb, you are or to be, what he's saying is that this is now your identity. This is who you are now as kingdom people. You are, not you have, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. When you follow King Jesus, he gives you a brand new identity. You become something different. And what we'll be looking at this morning is what does it mean when he says that we, his followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, what does it mean that you are the salt of the earth? What does he mean when he says you are the light of the world? What is he commanding when he tells us in the same way, let your light shine before others? Let's take a look at it. Verse 13, again, it says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Now, salt in the time of Christ, as it is today, was a very basic, useful substance. Really, one of the basic elements that they had in their possessions. 
It was useful for all kinds of things. Of course, salt adds flavor. You know, when you get popcorn, they got to put some salt on that popcorn, right? Makes it wonderful to eat, doesn't it? Flavors foods. What, what was interesting at that time, they actually used salt also to fertilize soil. I didn't know that. Salt can actually be used to fertilize soil to help grow crops. But what was salt was most commonly used for and had the most benefit for, for the people of Jesus' time, was that it was used as a preservative. They would add it to meats. They would, they would rub the salt on the meat because, remember, they did not have the luxury of modern refrigeration, right? They'd rub the salt to the meats and keep it there so that it would be preserved and so that it wouldn't spoil. This was the basic uses of salt at the time. It was very necessary, very needy, very basic, and extremely useful. They would obtain these, this salt from salt marshes. And uh, as they collected it from the salt marshes, it would, they would collect it all along up with a lot of impurities. Okay, so that it's not like we obtain this pure salt today. They actually obtained the salt and they had a lot of, a lot of other junk in there with it. They would still use it, but what would happen over time is if they let the salt sit, the salt would actually leach out, and so what they collected from those marshes uh, would then just be this residue of the salt that would kind of leach out. And so when, when Jesus says the salt loses its saltiness, it's kind of a weird saying for us because our salt is always salty. But in their time, they had salt collected with a lot of impurities. And so what would happen is if the salt leached out, they would be left with this residue that was not really good for anything any longer. They couldn't flavor food with it. They couldn't use it as a preservative any longer. So what they would do is they'd take that residue and they'd just kind of throw it off on the rooftop of their house. You see, roofs in the time of Jesus' time were flat and people would go up there in the evenings as the house was cooling down and they'd sit up there and they'd spend time together. It's kind of like their backyard patio. This was their rooftop. And so to harden, to help harden as it dried out their rooftop, they'd cast it on the rooftop where they'd walk upon it. That's the only use for it any longer, is just to cast it out where people would walk on it. So you just had this worthless residue. But Jesus is telling us, or he's telling his disciples, followers of him, kingdom people, he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. And when he says it, he says it this way in, in the language. He says, you yourselves, it's emphatic, it's specific. It's unique. Jesus is saying, you and nobody else, no one else has this. You yourselves are the salt of the earth. And just like salt is used as a preservative to help things last, just like it's used to help pre, uh, provide flavor and taste, Jesus is saying, you, the salt that you have is your character. It is your character. Part of our testimony is the character of our lives. Jesus is saying, you, with your character, can have a preserving sense. You can have a preserving nature to those around you. Either you're preserving those around you or you're conforming to those around you. Which is it? Jesus is telling his followers, you and you alone, by your character, are the salt of the earth. But the problem with that is that we could become tasteless or saltless. 
We can become foolish, really, is the meaning there. To strip it of its taste, to strip it of its saltiness, related words mean to be become foolish. We lose our virtue when we lose our character and we become worthless to the world. Friends, our testimony, the worth of our testimony before a watching world is directly related to the character and virtue of our lives. The way you do life, the way you use your temple, which is your body, the way you use your time, the way you use your talents and giftings, How you handle your possessions and your money is the salt of the earth. And if it's worthless, if it's void of virtue, it's worth nothing to this world. But, oh, friends, if we commit to the lordship of Jesus, that he's our master, he's our king, and he's our Lord, and we're following him, and we're developing our character and our virtue, we can provide something in this world that nothing else can. The salt of the earth. The virtue of the earth. Again, Jesus says, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. His message to his disciples, and I hope that you are one, is this. You and you only are the hope for genuine virtue in this world by your character. Don't become worthless by losing it. You and you alone, friends, you as the disciples of Jesus Christ are uniquely the salt of the earth. Don't lose the benefits and virtues of who God has called you to be so that we become worthless to this world. Our testimony is related to the character of our lives. Jesus goes on to say in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. You are the light of the world. Again, identification. Not you have, or you will become, or you do, but you are. You are the light of the world, friends. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you, by your identity, are the light of the world. He goes on to say, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? I love driving down the freeway at night on a clear night here in the San Francisco Bay Area and seeing the beautiful city and the bridge all lit up. It's picturesque, isn't it? Isn't it beautiful to look at? A city cannot be hidden when it's well lit. It provides light to the whole surrounding region. Jesus also says uh, in in verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. It's foolish, right? To flip on a light switch and then cover it up with cheat or something, right? It doesn't make any sense. It lights up the room. And, and in Jesus' time, people carried around little oil lamps. And so when they move from one room to the next, they'd carry that lamp with them to keep the, the house lit at night. And what Jesus is saying is that none of you do this. It would be foolishness to do this, to put something over that lamp so that it cannot provide light to the room that you're sitting in. Rather, They had stands that would go in the middle of the room and they'd set that lamp up there so that the whole room would be full of light so they could see. Jesus is saying this, light is meant to illuminate. It's not meant to withdraw, it's meant to illuminate. It's meant to be cast out so that it shines light and it invades the darkness. That's the light's job. 
And Jesus again says emphatically, just like he said, you yourselves uniquely and only are the salt of the earth. He again says, you yourselves only and uniquely are the light of the world. You and you alone. Friends, you, disciples of Jesus, kingdom people, those who recognize Jesus as king and Lord, you alone are the light of the world. Well, what is this light? What is this light? Just like the salt is the character of our lives, this light is our witness. It's our witness. It's what others see in you that reflects the glory of God. It's illuminating. It's not withdrawing. Friends, people need to see the light of Christ in you. It's your witness. It's how you live your life. It's what you say with your mouth. Jesus is telling us, you, me, us, those who follow Jesus Christ are the light of the world. John 1, 1 through 5. And, and I want you to turn there if you would, please, or maybe it'll be up behind me. Yep. John 1, 1 through 5. Some of you may be thinking to yourself, man, that's, that's a weird statement. I'm the light of the world, little old me. Me? I'm here to actually represent the glory of God to this world? How can that be? That, Jesus is, is wrong here. He's making too much of us, his followers. No way that can be. How can little old me be called the light of the world, the salt of the earth? John 1, 1 through 5 says this, and you may be familiar with this passage, speaking of the Word of God, who is speaking of the Son of God, who is Jesus the Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, as we see from this text, is the life and the light of men. He's the one that came from the Father. He put on human flesh so that he could live among us, and he fleshed out the life and the light of God, which is light for a dark, broken, sinful humanity. Jesus came to do that. He fleshed it out. That's what we call the incarnation. It's God fleshed out among us in a human body. And in him doing that, he's bringing the life and light from heaven for every single one of us. That's what he says about John, the apostle says about him in John 1, 1 through 5. But then this is what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Sounds about right. Listen to this. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, by your union with Jesus Christ, by being conjoined to him through faith, through the baptism of the Spirit, by being united with the Lord Jesus Christ and following him, you have inherited the ministry that he came to do. He came to be the light of the world. He came to be the light of life. And through your union with Jesus Christ, you friends, Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's because of our union with Jesus Christ. 
Whoever follows me, Jesus said, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Before I move on, friends, can I ask you this? Is there anybody in the room that is not following Jesus Christ? You're walking in darkness, but today you can have the light of life. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. He will give you the light of life. That's what he came to do. So we see that we're the light of the world through our union with Jesus Christ. Well, the Apostle Paul had something to say about this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. Ephesians 5, 8 through 9 says this. For at one time you were darkness. See that identity again? You were darkness. But now you are identity, light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Friends, Paul is reiterating what Jesus said through your union with Jesus Christ because he's the light of the world. You now by identity are the light of the world. You are reflecting the glory of God to this world. You and you only. There's no other group of people in all the world that do and are what you do and what you are. You are the light of the world. Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 to 15 says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Can I ask you a question? Does anybody still feel like we live in a crooked and twisted generation? We do. It's dark. It's dark, and it, it's not getting any brighter, is it? That's why, friends, Jesus has called us the light in the midst of this dark world. You, you, me, through our union with Christ, are the light of the world. In, uh, in Jesus calling his disciples the light of the world, he was telling them that they perpetuate his life-giving ministry in the world. Jesus told his disciples, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He sent me to be the light of the world. Now I'm sending you to be the light of the world. Friends, we are continuing, we are perpetuating the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not our ministry, it's His ministry. Being a light to the world. Jesus was telling His followers that they're perpetuating His life-giving ministry and light-giving ministry. What Jesus did and what he said brought the hope of the glory of eternal life to the world. And his people, that's you and that's me if we're followers of Jesus Christ, are to carry on this ministry of shining forth hope and life. Friends, you as his followers, you as the church, are the hope of light and life to the world. Not my words, Jesus' words. You are the light you are the hope for this world. Awesome stuff. Verse 16 of Matthew chapter 5. Turn back to our main text. Matthew chapter 5. So we've seen we are by identification. We ourselves and uniquely the salt of the earth. And that's our character in our witness. We ourselves and uniquely by our witness are the light of the world. Perpetuating the incarnational ministry of Jesus Christ. He fleshed out God to this world. And so we're to carry on that ministry through our union with him. And then in verse 16 we have the command. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Here's the command. Here's the imperative statement for us. Let the light you possess shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. If you've been in a little kid Sunday school class when you were younger, or if you've taught one, I'm sure you've sung it before, you've heard it before. This little light of mine, I'm let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That's what light does. It doesn't withdraw, it illuminates, it spreads. Jesus saying, let the light you possess shine. How? He says, in the same way. He's saying, just as a city on a hill cannot be hidden, just as the lamp in the middle of the room lights the whole room, just like that, I want you to go and shine forth my glory to a dark world. Friends, our job is to shine, and it's to shine in a way that's not withdrawing, but illuminating. We've got to stop withdrawing from our culture. We've got to stop withdrawing from this crooked world, and we need to get out, and we need to shine forth the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus says, let your, the light you possess shine also before men. Or before others. Let your light shine right in front of their faces. Let them see it. Our, our, our light should shine before those around us. Our light is meant to be lived out in such a way that the world around us can observe our hope-giving light. Do it before others. And the others there are the others of the world. The, you know, when I was just thinking about this as I was preparing. This building is like a giant salt shaker. It's like a giant flashlight. And when we're in here, it's good. We want to be edified. We want to hear God's word. We want to worship and exalt him. But friends, you are the salt of the earth. Salt is meant to get out of the shaker and give benefit to the world. Friends, you are the light of the world. The flashlight turned off does not have any benefit to the darkness until you flip it on and you shine it out there, friends. This church service is not the end of our ministry this week. It's only the beginning. Oh, that the Lord Jesus would shake us up and get us out as salt to this earth. Oh, that he would get a hold of us and turn on the light switch of our hearts, doing life his way so that we could get out and shine forth the light of his glory to this dark, dark world. It's not withdrawing. It's illuminating. It's illuminating. Let it be done before others. And here's the purpose why. So that others may see. Now you've got to look at the text here so we can see what it says. Here's what the light is. So that others may see your doctrinal statement. Is that what it says? Okay. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your size of your building, church building. So that others may see your political position. So that others may see your Bible study notes. No, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. 
your good works. This is the light that we shine forth, friends. Remember, the ministry of Jesus was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and it was, an, it was accompanied by healing and good works and love and compassion for a dark world. Friends, it's time for us to get busy doing good works now, this is a grace church, and I, I'm so glad it's a grace church. I wouldn't want to be a part of any other church. And what I mean by that is this. We believe that a person can only be saved by God's grace as a free gift alone. It's not done by our good works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no man may boast. We are a grace church. That is our salvation. But I fear, friends, that so often because we're afraid of good works somehow playing a part in our minds, in our salvation, that we suppress good works unnecessarily. Because remember, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created for good works, that we should do them. We should walk in them. Thank you. Friends, Jesus is saying, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. Your good works. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. The Apostle Peter, I'm, I'm certain Peter heard this sermon. And just like I'm doing today, he's plagiarizing the sermon of Jesus. He's passing it on to others. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. The Apostle Peter says, but you, you called out ones, you special people are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Go down to verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. It's our job, friends. We do life God's way, not just for our personal benefit. We do life God's way sacrificially, obediently, lovingly, compassionately, so that the world would see us not as judgmental, not as divisive, not as angry, not as boastful, not as arrogant, but as good deeds people because we're good news people, because we're the light of the world and we're passing on the ministry that Jesus gave to us. That's who we are. That's who you are. We do life God's way because we want to... Uh, we want a watching dark world to see because they're not going to see it anywhere else. Good deeds. And then the final destination for this. Good works, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's the end. By you doing good deeds, others will see it you're going to make worshipers. Worshipers. I love what John Piper says about missions. Missions exist because worship does not. 
The goal of missions is worship, but people have to get out and on mission because they're not worshiping God. And so we go and we share the good news and we do good works and we shine the light to a lost and dark world so that they can be redeemed and give glory to our Father in heaven. The end of all this, friends, doing life God's way is worship to the glory of God the Father forever and ever. Do you see the cycle? This amazes me. Look at this. Jesus Christ in the throne room in perfect fellowship with God the Father forever and ever in heaven before the foundation of the world says, I will come and ransom and reconcile lost sinners. So he comes down, puts on human flesh and becomes the light of the world and fleshes out God for us. We, his disciples, we receive that light. We enjoy that light. We reflect that light to a lost and dying world. And by them doing that, they receive it and give glory right back up to the Father in heaven. It's like a recycle, isn't it? It all begins and ends with the glory of God. Are you in the cycle, friends? Are you illuminating the world with good deeds, with good works? Are you doing it before men? Are you withdrawing? Are you illuminating? It's amazing to me that Jesus would bring heaven to earth in his body. Jesus brought the glory of the Father down to earth so that all may see it. And you, friends, you followers of Jesus Christ, you bring the glory of God the Father to others through your testimony, through your witness, by being salt and by being light so that they may see and glorify the Father who is in heaven. You bring it. Our good works are the means by which the eyes of the watching and observing world, the way they see the goodness of God and the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Friends, I don't know what the future holds for us here at Valley Bible Church. I'm sure there are many transitions along the way. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who the leader is going to be finally. We're so thankful of 45 years of service from Pastor Phil, and Lord willing, he'll be here as long as the Lord allows him. I don't know what the future is for all, every, all the ministries here at this church, but I know this, friends. Jesus has given us a mission, and that's to be salt and to be light in the world. That is the mission of our church. That is the mission of all of us as disciples of Jesus Christ. And again, Jesus, if you, if you don't, don't forget this. You yourselves, he said. You yourselves, you, friends, carry the unique ministry. Jesus emphasized that you as his disciples and you alone are the hope for this world. The world is without hope without you. I love what several authors wrote in a book that they co-authored, Michael Frost and Alan Hirsch, in a book called The Shaping of Things to Come, Innovation and Mission for the 21st Century Church. Listen to this, how they put it. We can be a witness in the lives of others in, in a way that sounds like a, like a whisper. A way to whisper into the hearts of non-Christians in order to activate a search for God is being like Christ, extraordinarily loving. The unrelenting kindness and grace of one person toward another is infused with the potential for transformation. Friends, you as the salt of the earth, you as the light of the world 
carry the potential of the hope for the transformation of this world as salt and light. When we live holy, gracious lives under the noses of our friends, neighbors, and associates, we commend an alternative reality to the one they live with every day. We don't commend a holier-than-thou attitude. Rather, we believe if we are living like Christ, we whisper into the souls of not-yet-Christians. Friends, when you help a hurting neighbor, when you help an impatient coworker. When you help love a child, when you do good deeds in this dark world, you're whispering the love of Jesus Christ to them. You are witnessing them into the way, in a way that is more powerful than anything in this world has to offer. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. They all go on to describe good works, and, and, and what they say is that good works and witnesses are the places where the world meets God, you. Listen to what they say, Michael Frost and Alan Hurst, they say, the sacred deed, those are good works, is full of God's glory. When you do a good work, it is full of the glory of God. If we take verses like Matthew 5, 16 and 1 Peter 2, 12 seriously, then we must acknowledge that God is found more in acts of kindness than in the mountains and the forest. It is more biblical for us to believe in the presence of God in holy deeds than in the presence of God in nature. And we can find him anywhere where we can act in holiness and so become a conduit of God's grace to the world. Friends, what they're saying is this. We believe in general revelation that people can see small, not small, big certain things about God in this world. We have the Bible and people can certainly pick up the Bible. But there's nothing more powerful than God fleshed out through his son, Jesus Christ, and the ministry that he's perpetuating through you and through me. Friends, when you walk into Starbucks, friends, when you go to your kids' schools, friends, when you walk into the per workplace, the potential is there for the world to meet God through you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the place where heaven and earth can meet through your witness, through your testimony, and through the good deeds that you do. We are good news people. We are the people that this world needs to see and to hear We've been talking about doing life God's way. And I want to ask you, friends, what does your character look like? Have you lost the virtue in your life to actually be of any benefit to this world because you're living in habitual sin? You're not giving God your temple. You're not giving God your time. You're not offering your talents to him. You're not giving away your, your treasure to put into his hands for his uses You've lost your benefit. You've lost your saltiness. This world, you have nothing to offer this world. But today, friends, you can come and you can repent and declare your allegiance to Jesus once again. You can do life God's way. And when you give it over to him, you could be salt to the earth. Next question I want to ask you is this. As the light of the world, the unique, the only, one-of-a-kind light that we are, what are we doing with the light that we have? 
Are we withdrawing? We're acting against, when we do that, we act against our nature. It's the nature of light to emanate, to send out, to illuminate dark places. And when we withdraw, we're doing the opposite for which God has called us to be light to the world. So doing life God's way, let me ask a few questions. What would it look like if we shined to the world with our temple, with our bodies? What would that look like? What would that look like? What, what would the world see if we started offering up our bodies to God to say, I belong to him? The most extreme obedient cases of that are the martyrs. They, they said, you can have my body. It belongs to the Lord, but I'm going to do good work so that you could see the light of the world. Does God have your body? What would it look like, friends, if we shined out as lights to the world with our time, that we weren't so protective of our time that we actually made ourselves available. In fact, if we made time to spend with our neighbors. My wife and I have been so convicted about this recently. We're just thinking, what in the world can we do? Can we just invite them over? There's Christmas is coming up. Can we just have a Christmas party and give them a cookie and say, I love you in the name of Jesus. But will we make the time? Or will we continue to withdraw friends Disciples of Jesus, it's time to illuminate and shine out into the dark places. What would it look like if we gave God our time for a lost and, and watching world? What would it look like if we shined as lights to the world with our talents, that we actually used what God has given us in our abilities and in our giftings so that the world would see that God has given us something to pass on? What would it look like if we shined as lights to the world with our treasures? If we actually said, this world is not my home, I'm storing up treasures in heaven, what would it look like? What kind of generous acts would we start doing for others? I saw a couple of ladies in here on Friday on Veterans Day. This whole building was closed. I didn't ask their permission to share their names, so I won't, but I was, I was amazed. 57 shoeboxes they were filling to send all over the world. Because they want to shine as lights to this world. They're investing in that. Investing their treasure. Finally, what would it look like if you were the salt of the earth and the light of your world? Friends, it's time to stop withdrawing. It's time to start illuminating this dark world with good deeds and with the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you be the salt of the earth? Will you be the light of the world? Let me pray over us, and as I do, I'm just going to commission us today because this is just the beginning of your week, your opportunity to go out and be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. This is just a giant salt shaker. <laughs> it's just a giant flashlight. It's time to be put to use in this world so that the world may see your good works this week and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much that you've changed our identities. I used to be a child of darkness. And now you call me light. Father, I'm humbled that all of us broken and fragile people that 
are only getting into your kingdom by grace, have been given a new identity so that now we can pass on the ministry of Jesus Christ and flesh him out to this world and flesh him out through good deeds so that they could see the light of the world. I pray for all of us here as disciples of Jesus Christ I pray that now as we go, that this would not be the finish line. This is the starting block to get out this week and be salt of the earth, to benefit, to show off the character that Jesus is forming in us so that the world would see that there's a difference about who we are. And I pray, Father, that as my friends, my brothers and sisters in Jesus, as they go out, I pray, Father, that you would help us to fight the temptation to withdraw and to be out there to illuminate the love of Jesus Christ through good deeds and through witness about what the Lord has done for us. Help us now as we go. Give us boldness and courage along the journey. Help us to do good works in the name of Jesus Christ and to speak his name, Father, with grace and truth. We offer ourselves to you now. Thank you for making us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.